Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. All right. Are you ready for the Bible? Very good. I'm going to open up by reading to you part of 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Uh, this last, the last part of this scripture says, He's called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Isn't that a beautiful thing? He's called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. It reminds me of when Saul became Paul and he had this encounter with Jesus and um, it was like the scales fell from his eyes and it was like he could see life differently. And you know, when you come to Christ, life looks different. Your perspective is different. Let's take a moment, let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for church family online here in in the building today and we just um, come together and honor you and thank you, God. We honor you first and foremost as our God and we worship you and thank you, God, for your greatness and your power and your authority. Right now, we, we just um, bow our hearts to you and say, Lord, speak your word through Scripture to us. And Lord, may we hear what you have for every one of us. I pray, Father, for the leading and the empowerment of your spirit. Lord, let what is in your heart be imparted today, uh, imparted again next week when I do the second part of this message. Let what's in your heart come. We love you. We honor you. It is our privilege to follow you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so two weeks ago, I talked to you about perspective. And what, I, what, what we talked about is we talked about with all the negative things that are going on in the world around us, that we have to be really um, careful to make sure that our perspective about the world around us is shaped. Does anybody remember? It's shaped by God's Word, by, the word by, what, by what He says, because the, the world will fill us with lots of information and perspectives, and there's, there's truth to it. And uh, the news will fill us with a lot of perspectives, and there's truth to it. Circumstances will, will fill us with a lot of, of perspectives. And we went to um, a scripture in particular to see this truth. And it was the, the scripture where Elisha and his servant were, woke up one morning. They were surrounded by the army of ki- the king of Aram. And the servant looks at Elisha, you know, the boss, and says, hey, you know, what are we going to do? And Elijah makes this proclamation, and he says, there are more for us than there are against us. And, um, and I'm sure the servant was thinking, oh, that's really sweet, but what are we going to do? <laughs> and then Elijah, Elijah, excuse me, um, he lays, he, he prays for his servants that his eyes would be open, and he saw the chariots of fire and horses all around the army that had encamped around them. He saw heaven's army around. I thought, man, wouldn't that be cool for some of those Ukrainian folks right now crying out to God? There are more for us than there are against us. And I'm betting there's some pastor, preacher, Bible study leader, somebody who's read their Bible, who's going, this is our word uh, right now, right? But he said there are more for us than against us. And his eyes were open. And we're talking about perspective. And we can only get that from the Lord. Now, I am in no way, when preaching that word, asking you to make stuff up that you like to tell yourself. 
I'm saying we go to His Word and let His Word and the Holy Spirit inform how we see things. How can we grab a hold of things in faith if we don't see it through the eye of faith, right? All right, so today, uh, and this was actually going to be one message, and it's turned into three messages, um, because I'm a kind preacher, and when I know that I've kind of reached the limit, I'm like, I typically cut it back. And so um, I've got a two-part that was only going to be the second half of two weeks ago. Um, but I, I appreciate your time, and I want us to be completely engaged when we're here in the Word of the Lord. Today, I want to talk to you about position. Would you say the word position? Position. We talked about perspective, and now we're going to talk about position. And what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to drop in, I, I kind of see it like with a parachute, you know, you're dropping in to some scriptures today, and we're going to see how individuals in the Word are positioned and learned from their position, their con- that context of that scripture. My encouragement to you is as I'm reading these to you and as we're talking about these today, if there's one that resonates with you, you're like, that's where I am, then jot down the scripture and this week in your devotions, spend some time with the Lord reading the scripture and then just letting God speak to you and show you some things in the scripture so that um, you get more out of it than just the Sunday message. Amen? All right, so the first scripture that we're going to drop into this week is 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. And I'm going to read to you verses 3 through 7. Verse 3 says this, Elijah, by the way, this is Elijah with a J. We were just reading about a different Elijah two weeks ago. Just to give you the, the, the rundown real quick. The Elijah with the J was the predecessor. He was the first, and then he turned his ministry over. We're actually going to go to this part in a little while, to Elisha with a S-H. I'm going to try to keep that nice and straight for you. If I don't, just roll with me. First Kings 19.3 says this, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. When he came to a broom bush, um, the NIV in 84 says the broom tree. When he came to the broom tree, he sat under it and he prayed that he might die. You're thinking, that is really inspiring, Pastor Mike. Um, he prayed that, I, that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, the angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time, and he touched him, and he said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So the first place and we're going to look at today is under the broom tree. Under the broom tree. The context of the story is Elijah um, has just heard from Jezebel, um, King Ahab's wife. Um, he said, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you by tomorrow. She has threatened his life. And um, Elijah does what all really spiritual um, men of God and, and people of the Lord do. Uh, he runs for his life in fear. Um, but Elijah's really afraid. And I, 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 do, I love the, the, the transparency in Scripture, right? He's running and he's running for his life. And this broom tree is the, the pit stop just a day into. He would, he would run for 40 days and nights. Like he would travel 40 days and 40 nights over 300 miles. And it was the place of despair 
When he got to the broom tree, he's like, take my life. I mean, he is in that place of hopelessness, and, and he went to sleep. I mean, if that doesn't sound like depression, I don't know what is. Take my life, all I want to do is sleep. I mean, that is like, that's it right there. And I'm thankful that that's in Scripture. I find that really encouraging. Like, in he, this is not the only Scripture, in, by the way, where somebody said, take my life to the Lord. Thank the Lord the Lord did not um, answer them. But it's really serious. Like, it's, it's a really big deal when you get to that point where you are empty and there is no hope and you're in that place of despair. And the broom tree represents that place where you are in despair. And the angel of the Lord came and he fed Elijah and he slept again. And then the angel fed Elijah again. Are you just so blessed by the mercy and the love of God? That, like, the angel of the Lord didn't come and go, well, you just need to be thankful. And you know what you need? You just need me to teach at you for a little while. If you've been in that place under the broom tree, you know that the last thing you need is the teach person coming right at you. Just like, get out of my face. You get out of my face. Not that we don't need to hear the word of the Lord and respond to it. But the mercy of God here, he's, he's, he, he, this is not a godly response to run in fear but the mercy of the Lord is all over him, just like providing for him. And, and what, is, what does he do is Elijah gets up and he keeps on running. You would think in that like place of despair and the angel of the Lord, like the angel of the Lord is there, he's feeding you. Let's hang out here. Let's let God minister to us here. But no, Elijah was trying to get as far away from the circumstance. He was in this deep place of fear. And so what does he do? He travels over 300 miles. It's like 330 miles to Mount Horeb and in 40 days and 40 nights. I mean, that's a lot of travel, and it's not like Interstate 95 was on the way or anything like that. Like, that's, that's a long way to go. And the second place that we're coming to today in the message is that he came um, to Mount Horeb, and he was hiding he was hiding on Mount Horeb. And when he arrives at Mount Horeb, <laughs> the Lord says this wild thing to him. He says, what are you doing here? By the way, when God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know. He already knows the answer. He says, I mean, y'all, that's a long journey to arrive and the Lord go, what are you doing here? And, you know, God had sustained him for for uh, over this journey, and he has sustained him um, back when he was under the broom tree. Um, and now he's run another 300 miles. And here's what it says in 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. He says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, and the Lord is about to pass by. And this is after he's got to Mount Horeb, right? Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was, a, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Um, the way it says it in the New King James is a still, small voice. When Elijah heard it, he pulled the cloak over his face and he went out and stood on, uh, at the mouth of the cave and the voice said to him in this still, quiet voice, what are you doing here, Elijah? It's, um, it's, it's a really, really powerful thing because what's happening is he has, he has stopped running and 
the earthquake and the fire and everything that's going on him. That, that, that really kind of represents what's going on, all this turmoil that's going on inside of Elijah. And I don't know if you've ever tried to hear God in the midst of panic, in the midst of, of high-stress environments, in the midst of where your, your, your vo- the voices and the, or the thoughts in your head are so loud they sound almost audible kind of thing, where your life is just in that moment. And what God is doing is he's just taking the volume for, for Elijah and he's just turning it down. And he's saying, you know what? The earthquake... The, 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 the fire, all of these, these crazy things. Like, you're, like, what are you doing, God? What are you saying? He says, I'm just going to turn it all down. And now let's talk. That is a powerful revelation in Scripture. Because there are times in our lives where we are so keyed up, and it happens to all of us. And we are in that place. And what God is just saying is, listen, I'm good. Let's bring it down. Let's bring it down. It takes some faith to bring it down. Because when you're frenetic and when you're in that place, you feel like you've got a little bit of control, right? Like, this is important. Well, yeah, it is important. We're not diminishing how important it is. Like, your life is at risk. Jezebel is after you. Like, like yes, this is important. Um, but what you've done is you've run in your own strength. And you have, you have run in this panic state. And God has been faithful to you. He has not left you, just like Elizabeth's message last week. God is with you. And when they came and woke up Jesus, they were in that, Jesus, we're going to die. Isn't it amazing? You can't rile up God like that. Aren't you thankful? Because if you could, we would. We'd We'd be stirring him up. But that would be us manipulating him. There's such a revelation in this, and I, and I pray that you capture, capture it today. One of the, the revelations is that when you are in despair, he is there. And he cares, and he will take care of you, and it, and it matters to him what you're experiencing. It matters what you're feeling. He understands it, but it doesn't mean keep running. It doesn't mean keep taking things under your own control. Ouch, right? Like, don't we like to do that? Like, I'm going to do everything I can. It's admirable. But what if we went to the Lord before running 40 days, right? Why do you have to run 300 miles from this woman? Like, that's a long way. That's excessive. And the Lord just kind of waits. Isn't that interesting how sometimes he'll wait until we're done? (sighs) Right? running and running and running, or we're doing our thing, or we're applying our solution, we're figuring it out. And the Lord, He doesn't leave us because He's so faithful. But He waits for us to hear Him. Waits for us to get the word of the Lord for Him. The lesson in this is you got to find rest in the Lord. Now, when I say that, I do recognize that when we're in fear and when we're in panic, And when we're in emergency, finding rest is a hard thing to do. I recognize that. But to know that there's rest available is really helpful. We need to know that that quiet place is available. And we need to run to the quiet place. If you need to cry out to God and yell out to Him what's going on inside of you and get it out, you go do it. He can take it. But then... There has to be a point where you just, let's let God be God now. Let's let God speak now. Let's hear what he's saying in the moment. And a place of rest in him is available for you. Amen?
Let's go to the next place. Let's drop in now to Judges chapter 6, which we just had a message on this about three weeks ago, about Gideon. It says, Now the angel of the Lord, who had come and sat under the terabith tree, which was an Oprah, uh, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, uh, while he was son of Gibeon, threshing wheat in the winepress, in order to hide it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, and he said, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. The third place is in the winepress. The first place was the broom tree, under the broom tree. The second place was on the mountain, um, hiding on the mountain. And the third place is in the winepress. He was threshing wheat. And of course, Jeremy preached a great message on this a few weeks ago, February 6th, Fear Not, which is on all our podcasts and videos and all of that. If you're diving deep and this is the one that speaks to you, go listen to the message um, if, if, you, if you missed it. Gideon, in this story in Judges, and this is another Old Testament scripture, um, he's, he's going about his day-to-day life, but it was a day-to-day life where he was living in fear because the enemies were always exploiting them and taking their crops and doing all kinds of things to, to harass them. And so Gideon is living in a pattern of fear, but he's being faithful and doing the things that he needs to do. So he gets creative, and what does he do? He gets in a wine press, and he's threshing wheat in the wine press so that the people can't find it, right? So do you get that picture? He's doing his day-to-day life, but it's defined by the fear that he's living in. And in our lives, we can have patterns of fear to the point where we're operating in our day-to-day life, but fear has changed the way we operate. And it could be a fear in relationships. It can be a fear in our finances. It can be a fear about our, our profession or our job. It can be you know, a fear uh, for our life or about our lives where now we operate in our day-to-day, but fear has adjusted the way in which we do it. What's interesting about this placement where Gideon is, where he's in the wine press, is that the Lord comes to him and he calls him out of the wine press. Now, I don't want to give Gideon a hard time because he's doing this for a practical reason, the fear that he's in. But when the Lord comes and calls you out of the wine press and he starts speaking things over you, come on, you mighty man of valor, that's the time to respond to the Lord and go, okay, right? And Gideon, you can see the interaction. Like there, there's all this interaction where Gideon's like, I, I don't know, you know, let's do this fleece thing, let's do this fleece thing again. You know, there's a lot of insecurity. But the, he allowed the Lord to call him out of the wine press. Would you allow, are you ready for that moment where the Lord is ready to call you out of the pattern of fear that you're in? And when he calls you out of the pattern of fear, he also wants to give you authority and victory over the enemy that's caused you to fear. Did you catch that? When he calls you out of the place of fear, he also wants you to walk with him in faith to then have victory over the enemy who put you in that fear. And that's a cooperative thing. I know I would just rather God do it all for me and I just live in Eden and eat grapes and, you know, do a little farming or something. But that's not how it works. He wants us to participate in the solution. And what's beautiful is that if God's calling you out of the wine press... He's going to show up because that's what he does. And he's really good at it. Amen? That's the third place, the wine press. Now let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19. We were just in 1 Kings chapter 19. But we are going back because that we talked about Elijah with a J, and now we're going to talk about Elisha with the S-H. 
It says, so Elijah went from there. I'm just going to take a little quick station break because I'm doing okay on time as far as the length of the message. Elijah, who we just saw in Mount Horeb. Um, I'm just going to give you the backtrack really quick, okay? The chapter before, he's like on Mount Carmel calling down fire on a sacrifice and the prophets of Baal are losing and they can't call down fire on their sacrifice and God has this great victory and, and, and Elijah like prays for rain seven times and, and then rain is coming and the drought is breaking. Elijah had this amazing victory and, and like everything is going his way but he was so poured out and so empty and so dark that when the threat from Jezebel came... It flipped, and he went from mighty man of God to I'm running for 40 days and 40 nights. That's a whole interesting dynamic going on there. But he's like, kill me, I'm done. Well, what happens is God restores him and works with him, but then he's like, you know what, Elijah, it's time to turn over the mantle. And immediately the process of turning over. The other time in Scripture um, where it, Moses is like, I'm done, kill me, get me out of here. The Lord's like, all right, let's turn this thing over to Joshua. Interesting, and I'm not saying that that applies to our lives in that, but there was something about, you know, God restores them, and he is gracious with them, and he's like, but okay, let's, let's begin this transition. So he is now transitioning this work to Elisha with the SH. And so he shows up, and here's the story. First Kings 19, 19. Then, so Elijah went from there, and he found Elisha with an SH, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went to him and threw his cloak around him, and Elisha then, um, then left his ox and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. What a good boy. And he said, and I will come with you. Go back, Elijah said. What, I have, what have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burnt his plowing equipment to cook meat, and he gave it to the people, and they ate. So they set out and followed Elijah and became his servant. I find it fascinating that after this call, let me back up. I want to do too many things at once. The fourth place is that is faithfully plowing. The difference between Eli, between Gideon, who was in that place of fear, and Elisha with the SH is that They're both in places of faithfulness doing their day-to-day. Gideon's in a place of fear oppressed by an enemy. Elisha is just doing the family business and plowing and doing his thing, right? And so um, Elisha uh, would become the understudy of the prophet Elijah, right? And Elisha has this mantle thrown onto him by the prophet. And what it represented is, all right, you're next. Like it was kind of an ancient way of saying... You're, you're taking on my authority and my gifting and the thing that I'm doing. So he throws it on him. And Elisha's response is like immediate. He's like, all right, I'm in. Let me just go kiss mom and dad goodbye, and I am with you. And Elijah, with a J, says a very interesting thing. What have I done to you? His view was so negative about his calling and, and those kind of things, and he was so worn out from his journey with God that he's like, what have I done to you? Which is, 
it's sad that it got to that kind of point. Now, Elijah worked, lived through a time where uh, the prophets were all hiding and they, there was famine and it was a really, really hard time. But um, for lack of a better way to say it, homeboy was worn out. He was done. And he's like, what have I done to you? But Elisha's response is really cool because he responds immediately. Um, he doesn't even hesitate. And not only does he respond immediately, he's like, I am burning down my previous life. And he goes and he takes the, uh, the equipment from the plowing and he burns it. And he takes the ox that were, that were doing the farming and they slaughter it and, and they have quite a feast. That's a lot of meat. Um, and it's like he is saying, I am going to destroy my ability to even go back. I am all in, 100%. For some of us, God has blessed us. He's given us a good and faithful life. But you have this sense that God has something for you. There's going to be moments in time where the Lord's going to come to you, throw a mantle over you, and give, you an, uh, uh, give a request or call you to do something. And it's going to take an all-in yes what I love about this story is Elijah is not like, well, you know, let me go pray about this. Let me go talk to the fam. Like, you can tell that he is ready for this. And so I'm not talking about like fly-by-night stuff and you just get, you saw something on TV and you're like, I'm just going to go, you know, do that kind of, I'm not talking about it. Elijah is ready. His life is already ready. And I, I feel like all of us want to find ourselves faithfully plowing in our place in life, doing what we're called to do, in our place, in our time, doing what God has for us because that is a godly thing and it should not be diminished for us, amen? Because where you are matters. Because where you are is where the kingdom of God is that day. When you go to your workplace and when you're in your neighborhood and when you're in the Walmart and the Aldi or where you're a Kroger person, wherever you are, the kingdom is with you when you go into these places. You are his emissaries out in the world and our faithful day-to-day matters. Who Elisha was all that time mattered. And there was this opportunity where God then said, okay, I'm calling you out to something and Elijah was ready for the moment. And we want to be ready for the moment. We didn't want to be ready for that moment when God says, okay, I need you to make some sacrifices for the thing I'm calling you to do. What I love about his heart is like he's all in. He's like, let's do this. But he made sure it was not going to be easy to go back. And that is impressive. The practical part of me is like, why would you do that? Like, you know, these are things that you sow and plow and like, it's like, like there's so much that could be done with this. And yet, it's obvious that this was a really good thing in the Scripture. He needed to burn his bridges to make sure that he was fully in. It's a beautiful story. If this, is, this one's resonating with you and you read about it, keep reading in Scriptures. Elijah was basically like, if you're with me when I go up to heaven, I'll give you, you, know, give you the mantle and you'll have a double portion. And so Elijah was like, like right on him, like the whole time, like, yeah. I am I'm like right, right there the whole time. And he, he hungered for the thing that God was doing and he wanted it and he desired it and he was in cooperation with it. And it's just such an inspiring thing. 
And I think all of us want to have our hearts in that place that when God says, I need you to go on the mission trip to Baltimore. I, need you, I want you to go to this place. And you go, you know what? Rather than all the I can'ts, I feel your spirit leading me and I'm going to do it. We don't have a trip to Baltimore right now. We will have more in the future. This whole story, it reminds me so much of the calling of Peter and Andrew in the New Testament, where it says in Mark 1.16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once, they left their nets and followed him. And I think that is the cry that we all want to have in our life, that, that the things that we have in this earth, you do realize you cannot take any of this with you to heaven. Amen? All you got is the people who are coming with you. That'll arrange your priorities. Right? Like the only thing in this room that is going to make it into heaven or is going to come with us to heaven are those who are calling upon Jesus and said, will you be the Lord of my life and receive that gift of grace and salvation? That's huge. That'll prioritize your life. So God blesses us. He, we are such a blessed people, but we hold it with our hands open, saying, God, let me be ready for the thing that you have called me for. So we find Elijah in this place where he is faithfully plowing and he's ready for the next God assignment. Isn't that where we all want to be? Ready for the next God assignment, ready to pivot, ready for what he has for it, not attached to anything in this world where God blesses us, but the blessing should never have us. God blesses us, but the blessing should never have us. You know, I, I want to encourage you today, maybe, maybe you haven't responded to that initial place in the gospel where, it, where Jesus says, come and follow me, like he did to... to um, Peter and Andrew. Maybe you've never had that place where in your life, or let me say it this way. Maybe there's this struggle in you of I want to be in charge, but I also want God in my life. And I just want to tell you that is a confusing and difficult way to live. And what God wants you to do is turn your whole life over to him. I know that's a lot to ask, but he did go to the cross for you. He did create you. He does love you. He's not trying to control you like a, a robot, but he wants to be your God, which means coming to that place where you go, I don't actually want the reins of being in charge of my own life in my hands. And God, I trust you as my creator, Jesus as my savior, to put my life into your hands. And trying to do this thing partially just won't work. And I want to encourage you, if you're in that place today where you're fighting the partial battle, like you, you know God's good, you love God, but you're nervous to put your life in his hands, I just want to encourage you, don't fight him. Yield to his love for you. He is not going to tackle you to the ground and make you receive him. But he'll keep tapping until you say yes. And you know, you don't have to have your life go sideways and terrible to turn your life over to him. You can just say, he loves me, and I feel that pull on my heart 
and I'm going to receive him today. And if, that, if you're doing that today, what you do is you cry out to him and you say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin and come into my life right now. Be my God. And I commit to follow after you. If that's a decision that you're making in the room today, I want to I rejoice with you. I want to pray with you. If you're making that decision online today, um, we, want to be, we are just as excited for you. And, and we want to rejoice with you and connect with you. Um, will you go to the website victorychristian.church and click on next steps because uh, we just want to be able to reach out and rejoice with you and just welcome you into God's family. Amen. This is part one of the two-part message. And what I'd like to do is I'd just like to take a moment and pray for us because we're in different places today. And I just want to kind of pray over these locations and then we'll let God build on this next week. Does that sound like a plan? Would you stand with me if you're in the room today? And I want to pray for these places. I want to pray for the person who's under the broom tree in despair. I want to pray for that person who's hiding on Mount, Har- on Mount Horeb and um, in fear and running. I want to pray for that person who's doing life faithfully, but fear is ruling over your life. And I want to pray for all of us that we will be in the place of faithfully plowing and that we'll be ready when God comes and says, I have something for you to do. Father, we love you today. And I thank you that you are the God of people in all locations. Even when we're running, even when we're in a a, a terrible place, you don't leave us, you sustain us. We thank you for that. God, you're good. God, you're faithful. God, you're kind. I pray today for those who are in despair. Jesus, break the power of hopelessness. Break the power of despair. And come and saturate hearts and minds. Come. And Lord, let that still, small voice comfort. Let your provision for their soul, Father, fortify and strengthen them. Come and take them in your your loving arms, Lord Jesus, and comfort and secure and watch over. I thank you, God, that you don't turn us away in disappointment. But God, you sustain us. You're so good. Lord, come to those who are in despair. Come to those who are hiding, God. Life has got them on the run and hiding, Lord God. And Father, the running makes you tired and it wears you out. And Lord, I just pray that in our worn out state, God, that your still small voice would would speak a clarion word, Lord God, that reaches our hearts, that God touches our hearts, that we will know that is the voice and the word of the Lord to me in this place. Father, I pray for the Gideons today. God, who are faithful in the place of faithfulness, but in fear. And Lord, I thank you that you come. You call us out of that place. And even though we've been operating in fear, you speak mighty warrior valor over us, Lord Jesus. May we rise to the occasion. Let you do the heavy lifting and defeat our enemies, Lord God. Defeat the fear that oppresses us. And Father, today, I pray that you'd make us all like Elijah. In our place, faithful to you. And God willing to burn it all down for your assignments. For what you're calling us to do. Recognizing that you are preparing our hearts in advance for those good works that you have for us. Father, we love you. We honor you. And I pray that this week in our devotions, Lord, that um, it will just be a rich time 
in 1 Kings 19 and in Judges chapter 6. We thank you, Lord. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.